0: few weeks, um, I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. Cool. How about yourself? Uh, pretty much the same. Been working from home, and uh, when I'm not working, you know, doing my hobbies, podcast stuff, other things like that. It's really hot outside, so I, I like being outside. But when it gets too hot, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna stay inside with the air conditioning. I feel that it's a,
1: it's a very hot weekend.
0: Yeah. Let's get started with the questions here. Where are you from?
1: Um, I'm originally from the Bronx, New York, um, but I grew up in Baltimore. I came here pretty young.
0: Uh, how how young were you, like less than five? I was about eight years old. Okay. Do you have any mm-hmm. memories um, growing up in the Bronx?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I grew up in a project in the Bronx in several, um, and my grandmother lived in the Lower East Side, which is in Manhattan, like right under the Brooklyn Bridge, um, and my mother is from the Bronx, and so I'm... That's why I consider myself to be from the Bronx, but of course, my father, like I said, is from the Lower East Side in Manhattan. And I mean, I used to spend a lot of times at like playgrounds, and I used to watch people play dominoes or cards. I remember a lot of barbecues, that type of thing.
0: Okay, I, I hear a lot about the Upper East Side and and the Lower East Side. Is there such a thing as the Upper West and Lower West Side?
1: I mean, yeah, people say it. Um, I don't say it. Mostly, I just say Lower East Side because that's like where, you know, my family's from in Manhattan.
0: You touched on it a little bit, but can you just expand on what it was growing up like in the Bronx and then what the culture shock and transition was down to Baltimore?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, New York is kind of like a melting pot. There's a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures there. I grew up around all types of people, just from different ethnicities, backgrounds, heritage, all that good stuff. Um, You know, a lot of my cousins are Puerto Rican. Um, My lineage is West Indian, and so... You know, a lot of people in New York actually do and have some knowledge of like where their people have come from in, you know, with regard to culture. Um, And, you know, you even see that even celebrated in present day where you have like a Puerto Rican Day parade and all these other things, Um, you know. And then coming here to Baltimore, um, those sort of things aren't necessarily celebrated as much. Um, And I think that is attributed to the fact that, you know, we're getting a little bit further south. And a lot of Black people had kind of been more so stripped of their heritage as you got further south, especially more recently. Um, And you know, Maryland was a very, very heavy slave state, and you know that became evident to me as well. And I think you see that even you know systemically because the school systems here were completely different, which is you know what which was of course at the age of eight like my first my first touch point you know with Baltimore and like its experiences. Um, And I just noticed that like. School wasn't as challenging. It was really hard for me to like adapt in that way.
0: You can trace your, your lineage and heritage uh, to w- the West Indies and the Caribbean. And then you also say that you do have Puerto Rican people um, in your family, and you grew up around that culture, living in the Bronx and uh, visiting family in the Lower East Side. Within your family, did you see that you know, disparity or the, uh, the friction between Black and Latino or Afro-Latino people and culture?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot different. Um, It's definitely a different culture, you know, being like uh, Afro-Latinx versus, and I'm not Afro-Latinx, but, you know, a lot of my family members are, Um, but there is like a, there is a tension, but I wouldn't say it's like too far of a gap. Um, It's definitely not like the difference between Black or white, Um, you know, but there are some definite cultural differences. But in New York, you just kind of grow up all together. You, you know, you take care of each other.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard the same thing as well. Of course, now with coronavirus, uh, you might not be going back as much, but do you try to get back <laughs> up to the Bronx and visit family when you can?
1: Yeah, so I don't have a lot of family left in the Bronx. Of course, you know, I, and I think this is a good thing, but, you know, everybody who kind of migrates to New York... Usually you start, you know, with some sort of a humble beginning of some sort, and I think a lot of my family, you know, who lived in the projects kind of either moved up and out, they passed away. Um, You know, so I do have still some family in New Jersey, still some family in, you know, Manhattan and throughout other boroughs of um, New York, but some of them have moved even as far as Connecticut. so, yeah, we've all kind of migrated. Ah, uh, mm-hmm.
0: gotcha. Uh, and I, w- I want to ask that as well, because I think I've, I've talked with somebody else who's who, who got their start or they were born and lived in New York. What is it about Maryland that New Yorkers like so much?
1: It's quiet. You know, I, re- <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember when I first got here with my mother. I think it was the work. You know what I mean? Um, New York is a very bustling and, like, competitive city. Um, and I definitely remember like immediately moving here, my mother making a lot more money um, and us being able to just, you know, live in a better way. Um, it's completely different.
0: <laughs> mm, okay. I see. Yeah. So it, it it's like, um, kind of like without, I guess shading New York, but it's kind of like a, I guess a step up, where there's more opportunities you would say available in Maryland.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would say, and definitely even for myself, like I've definitely experienced and, you know, when I compare myself or when I think about the things that some of my family members who might be around my age are doing in New York and New Jersey, it's definitely a lot more opportunity here to me. And I mean, I'm specifically more focused on like arts and culture type stuff. So, you know, I don't know. And I know in that city, it can be watered down. Like it's a huge city. Um, I think I'd be really, you know, small fish there as opposed to how I am here.
0: Mm, That's fair. That's fair. Uh, And I want to move into that subject was art one of your um, favorite subjects in school and can you tell me about your experience in school
1: yeah absolutely so you know i was always you know just from the time i was in pre-k always really into school always you know had straight a's and that type of thing but art has always been something culture music all of those things have always been a part of my life my mother you know even from a very young age you know, would take me from the Bronx to some of the better schools in Manhattan, um, you know, to some of the better camps, to some of the arts and cultured focus camps. And like I really just have always absorbed that type of thing. I played cello for a number of years. Um, I was always into drama, theater, those types of things. And it's just been like always ingrained in me. At you know, when I when I became a teenager here in Baltimore, being a teenager in Baltimore is really hard. I don't know if anybody, you know, <laughs> listening or even you, Jason, can relate to that. But it, it felt like I was a lot misunderstood. And so I ended up inevitably being expelled at the age of 16 from Baltimore schools. And then after that time, and even prior to that, I had really given up on art itself and just like the practice of it. Um, because it wasn't super cool it's like cool now like everybody looks at people who were in arts and culture and they're like "Ooh, you're like doing a damn thing but like when i was you know in my teenage years my my preteen years it was not cool to be like playing the cello or wanting to organize events and so i quit you know due to like peer pressure and like life circumstances and all that but yes art has always like been one of my favorite things
0: Mm hmm. Um, I grew up in the county, uh, but the kind of the similar thing happened when I was growing up. It's like it's like being smart or kind of being nerdy or really just being yourself was not cool. It wasn't the end thing to do. And I agree with Mm -hmm. you that nowadays we have thankfully as a culture and as as black people, we've gotten to a point now where we we ourselves do not perpetuate the idea of the monolith, like we're okay with you like watching anime or playing the cello. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, a follow-up question I have to that, when you were playing the cello, uh, cause I think my cousin, my younger cousin, Jalen, she played it as well, did you have to learn Canon in D major and how boring was it?
1: <laughs> I did have to learn Canon in D major. It wasn't super boring, like I enjoyed playing, you know, the cello and I think one of my favorite songs to play was Ode to Joy, and I did like a duet with somebody who I'm like still connected with on social media, shout out to Devin, but he like really, it was just fun to like do a duet and to like learn all those like really, you know, integral songs to like being a musician.
0: Oh, okay. I I only meant how boring it was to play Canon in D major, because it's only like four different notes for somebody on the cello or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, it is. (laughs)
0: You already answered my next question, um, and that we'll talk about it a little bit later. It definitely sounds like your favorite subjects and what you are into translates into the work that you do today. So tell me what did you do? Um actually before we talk about what you did after high school, what happened when you um got expelled? Like did you get into a fight or something?
1: When I was in middle school and this is still around the time that I was like playing cello and like being artistic really heavily because I was at a magnet school in the county. um, And, you know, they really nurtured that part of me. Um, However, like I tragically had lost my father to like a cocaine overdose when I was in middle school. It was totally unexpected, of course. It was very heavy, very emotional for me. And I just really rebelled, for lack of a better, you know, term. um, And, you know, decided that I wanted to like, have more authority over what I was and wasn't going to do. And a lot of what I wasn't going to do was do the schoolwork that I didn't want to do and so I began to like quickly academically fail um, you know but also like my behavior started to match that so I was hanging around certain people I was doing a lot of things I wasn't supposed to do skipping school and all those things my mother was pretty much aware of this the entire time so um, in comparison to some other like rebellious teenage stories it's not like I was really sneaking around for my mom it was more so like she knew she knew exactly what I was going through um, you know but uh the culminating like event was i decided because i didn't really appreciate standardized testing and still really don't i think it's a very like hostile way to like measure the way that students are learning Mm -hmm. um but i decided that i was going to like do this little personal protest and so i would take the scantrons if you remember scantrons, and i would like pick stacks of them wet them in the bathroom sinks and then pull the fire alarm Evacuate the school, and then by the time you come back, you wouldn't have time to take the test. And it was specifically in the topic of math, which I suck at. (laughs) um, I I was able to execute this two and a half times before the third time, where I was. and, And this is kind of like a lesson for people just in being a follower, but also don't go around pulling fire alarms, but still. It's apparently like a misdemeanor offense to do it and definitely to do it more than once because then you're like taking county or city resources to a place where, you know, it doesn't necessarily need it. But also my friends had convinced me to show them what I had been doing. And so I went up a stairwell with them that had a camera and it wasn't on my usual route and I got caught and that is how I got expelled. <laughs>
0: So, Oh, wow. Yeah, you are definitely a troublemaker.
1: I was. <laughs> I can be still, but yeah.
0: And I feel like that always helps. Nobody wants to be boring when they're an adult, right? No, they don't. <laughs> what, uh, what, what magnet school did you go to for middle school? I went to Subbrook Magnet Middle School. Ah, uh, gotcha, I see. I went to Deer Park Middle, so uh, not the same okay. magnet school, but I was in like the no the computer magnet program. Um, <clears throat> so now that we have the story about you uh, getting expelled, um were you able to you graduate high school and stuff like that? Did it put you back too far? And and what did you do after high school?
1: Yeah, uh, it definitely pushed me way back. Like I I repeated ninth grade three times, and then that year that event happened is when I got expelled. Um, and I was around sixteen at that point, so I was pretty young. So I ended up getting my DD. Um, so I went to like night school. I think at like Newtown High School. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I basically. Only did a few weeks of that, and then just kind of shot to take the test at, like, CCBC, and so I got my GD. Um And then after that, I went to community college for a little bit, and the only thing I really learned from that was, like, community, um, just being a part of, like, this really amazing community of people, and, like, learning of open mics in around 2008. I was supposed to graduate in, like, 2009, and I was, like, out of school by, like, 07,
0: 08. Can you talk about your uh, journey from you know getting your GED and um, going to CCBC, learning more about community? Can you talk to me about your journey as an arts advocate and what got you into philanthropy and uh, grant making?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of a stretch, right? Like whenever I tell this story, people are like, "Oh my God, that's like crazy!" And there's probably no way I would have been able to like get through all of those things and then do what you're doing. But I never really saw it either. And it's all just kind of been a very organic and natural, like, transition into everything. So like I said, when I when I got put out of school, I was pretty much on my own. I was living this like very adult, you know, esque lifestyle um, and just kind of like going to school because I thought that's what you should do. But more so, like I said, I kind of gained this knowledge of like this beautiful arts and culture community in Baltimore. I went to some of my first open mics. I think I started to host some of my first open mics in those years as well. Um, And I just thought to myself, like how, how great it was to have been connected to some of the people, Um, you know, but as years went on, um, I was able to start one myself, I think, in like 2012. Um, And then I ran that for about four years. And through that, I built this even more immense community of people around me just by going to like other open mics in the city. And my open mic's name was much more than an open mic. It's very clean, but also, you know, I named it that because I used to go to open mics and I would feel, and I don't know if you've ever been to one or anyone who's listening, you know, has ever been to one, but if you want to perform at any of them, they can be super exclusive. So if like you're a newcomer, it's nerve wracking, you know, to be in a space where you feel like you don't belong. And I think that resonated with me so much because so much of my life, I felt like I didn't belong or, you know, I felt like I was trying to do things that I needed to do in order to fit into something. Um, And that wasn't necessarily fair to myself. Um, And so I think there's like this pyramid of needs that I love to refer to. I think it's like Maslow's physiological needs or something. And like right at the top of it is self-actualization. And so it's been so important to me to like come into who I am and to like create for people. And so when I created that platform, like I said, I gained this following of people, but also their artists. And, you know, I started to advocate on their behalf for them to understand what it meant to like build for themselves because in those first couple of years, I decided I wanted to quit my job. At some point in my journey, I had gotten my CNA and was working as like an emergency room nurse technician. And so I ended up quitting that job completely. And I was like completely broke um, and needed to learn how to spend for myself and make money for myself. And definitely under the tutelage of like some really amazing mentors and some people who really believed in my voice and, and what I did, um, I was able to gain opportunities like getting contracts. Um, and so I've been contract beast for maybe the last four years completely. So like self-employment. And then I was able to kind of learn that system of like working in nonprofits. And through that, I was like, okay, well, other people need to hear about this stuff as well. So I've been like spreading that knowledge and that information. And, you know, that fast forwards us all the way to this year where, you know, when COVID happened, there would be like mass cancellations and postponements of events. And I was like, yo, everybody's going to be super broke. And that's when I ended up getting more into philanthropy. I was definitely familiar with it and had been, applying for grants and things like that on my own, but it was important for me to start what I was calling a longest COVID-19 emergency fund for artists and freelancers, for artists to be able to just do something nice for themselves while all of this was going on, if they needed to pay their rent or do their nails. So yeah, <laughs>
0: that's a long story. But. Can you talk a little bit more <laughs> about that journey of creating that uh, philanthropic effort? Do you have to like file it as a, as a nonprofit? How did that work?
1: Yeah, like you don't, you don't have to do any of that. It's really called mutual aid. Um, And so you can, within a certain amount of money, I think it's about $250,000, claim that money as a gift. Um, And you can can take in about, and I think it just kind of depends on how much of a risk it looks like to some of the apps because I decided I wasn't going to use GoFundMe because GoFundMe takes some fees. And I do use GoFundMe for other efforts. I'm currently fundraising for school. I'm using GoFundMe for that. But, you know, when it came to like the artists, I was like, we really don't need these like percentages coming out. I had no idea how much I was gonna raise when I started it. Um I literally just started with a hundred dollars of my own money and was taking it through Cash App, PayPal and, you know, Venmo. Um and I don't want to miss the question.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. It was just it was just about starting your um the the alana's like emergency philanthropy yeah. fund, the mutual aid
1: totally yeah it's just mutual aid so it, i didn't have to do anything like legally around it i definitely did my research um you know there's a lot of good content online for people to read if they're looking to start like a mutual aid fund um or if they're just looking to you know help people disperse a few dollars like you can definitely do it um it it's not necessarily technically like if you make money from an organization. Over $600 is where you have to report it. Um, so the IRS might ask me questions about it. And I made sure that I did spreadsheets, you know, in case, you know, that even happens. But it's, it's not it's not likely. It's not like I was, you know, raising and doling out millions of dollars and, you know, that type of stuff. They don't really care about. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's always good to have that just just in case, because if if they can get Al Capone for tax fraud, they can definitely get you.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When looking at your Instagram, and even if you just throw your name into a Google search, uh, somebody can find that you've written a lot of pieces for a lot of publications on, frankly, a lot of different subjects. But one thing that I've seen is that a lot of your content focuses on the emotions we experience every day, but may not want to express out loud. What draws you to this subject matter?
1: Yeah. I definitely am one of the more like forthcoming and very honest people that I know in my, in my own life. Um, and so, you know, the way that I, the way that I think is like super candid. Um, and I'm usually one of the people that's going to say one of the first things that comes to their mind. And some people say it's my astrology. I'm a Scorpio. So I'm a very blunt hey, Scorpio, um, <laughs> gang. Scorpio gang. Um, yeah, my birthday is October 23rd and, you know, I've always just been a very like mysterious, but also just very candid person. Um, And so a lot of my writing style is influenced by that. And I think it's important, you know, that we're not in the shadows with our feelings and, you know, that we're able to express them. And so I always encourage that, whether it's through my writing or my Instagram posts. So yeah, definitely a lot of my writing just kind of covers a mass array of like different topics, but I try to always focus on like honesty.
0: Can you talk about other initiatives and projects you've given a platform to throughout Baltimore, uh, Baltimore City?
1: Yeah, I mean, oh man, <laughs> I've worked on like such great projects, um, and have been like on a part of like teams, and I think that's what's really important is, you know, I while I'm like this really awesome, you know, individual that's just affirmation for myself, I've just been a part of things where it's like this great team of people, like. I worked on um, Red Bull Amafica, which was like a festival that came to Baltimore a few years ago. I think the first year was 2017 and the second was 2018. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was this awesome cohort of individuals that they were looking to, you know, promote and like give lessons to. And Red Bull kind of came in and was like, hey, we like need all the creatives in the city. And I was one of those people who was able to help like curate the space that they created over this week at the U.B. Blake um, you know, Jazz Center, which is on Howard Street, which is like a historically black, you know, Wall Street type, type thing. It's super empty right now in Baltimore, but um, it used to just be this really, this hub of like black jazz and entertainment and commerce and trade and all that good stuff. And so it was really beautiful to work on that street. Um, I've been working with Impact Hub Baltimore since about 2016 and they're a nonprofit, you know, which works with a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, in order to help them, like, achieve, you know, either just they might need space or events. I've been a part of, like, countless amounts of events every year. This year is supposed to be Artscape Weekend, so every year since maybe 2016, I've been a production assistant with um, Baltimore Office of Promotion in the Arts. Um, and I've been with them for several different festivals, like City, um, Baltimore Book Festival. I've hosted inside of, like, the Visitor Center, the Inner Harbor, all that good stuff. I mean, I've been a part of so many amazing... Events and like platforms, and it's helped so many people. (laughs) So,
0: Mm. yeah, that's awesome. Um, the visit (laughs) the visitor center, I feel like people who live in a city never go Mm -hmm. to the visitor center, but then once you go, you're like, Oh, this place is pretty cool, actually.
1: It's pretty dope, actually. I think my first time being there was actually me hosting there. Um, because, like, you know, if you live here, you're not really going to the harbor to like find different things, but like, I definitely learned a lot.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So we're gonna start wrapping mm-hmm. up here. These are two questions that I uh, always ask my guests at the end of the interviews. The first one, what's coming up next for you?
1: Next for Alana, I am going to Micah this fall, Maryland Institute College of Art, and I'm going to study Congratulations, Social Design.
0: congratulations.
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm very excited, you know, I, like I said, my journey, uh, I, as I explained to you guys, it's not necessarily that I went to like high school and went straight to college and all of that. Um, and so I never went to undergrad. And so I was able to like petition the president of MICA um, a couple of months ago on the fact that I feel like my community work should be equivalent to an undergraduate degree and that I should be admitted to a master's program. And so I was, you know, given that opportunity or I earned that opportunity rather. And so I'm very excited to be, you know, getting my master's in 2021. Very excited for that. That's definitely coming up next for me. Um, and just looking forward to continuing to like build beautiful personal relationships. I really thrive on that. Um, I couldn't do anything that I do without the people who support me and the people who, um, you know, are rooting for me. So
0: it's Awesome. That's great. And um, last question I have, how can people find you on the interwebs? I know earlier I said, just throw your name into a Google (laughs) search, but how could they officially get in touch with you if they want to learn more or if they want to talk to you about any opportunities?
1: Yeah, officially I can be followed at Alana has entered the chat and the H in my name is A L A N A H and then it has entered the chat, no second H. Um, and Alana says on Twitter, AlanaNicole.com dot com or AlanaHasEnteredTheChat.com dot com are all great ways to find me. I do answer my DMs and all that good stuff, so I'd love to hear from you guys. And I'm glad, you know, I'm thankful cool for you having me, Jason. This is great. <laughs>
0: yeah, of course, absolutely. And is there anything else you want to uh, talk about that we haven't already gone over?
1: your birthday
0: my birthday is november 2nd
1: okay you're a november scorpio i just wanted to know
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no problem november scorpio my fiance says it's what makes me so crazy but um i'm sure sure. it is
1: i'm gonna pray for her
0: uh alana nicole thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you and i hope you have a great rest of the day you too thanks so much